All right, Jabal say good morning, good morning, Agotavach. Hopefully everyone had a beautiful, uplifting, and inspiring Shabbos. It is a great Zuchos, Baruch Hashem, to begin another week of Baba Kama together. Sadly, but also, but also excitingly, it's our last week of Baba Kama. Sadly, because it's been such an incredible Masechta, and our trusted friend, our trusted friend over these over 100 days, Baruch Hashem, but also excitingly, because in Meretz Hashem, when Baba Kama ends, New doors open in Meretz Hashem. So we're going to make the most of being with our beloved friend, our best friend, Baba Kama, Meretz Hashem, for the remaining days that we have him by our side. Begin by thanking all of our sponsors for this morning. Share to thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Adar Aleph. Mrs. Samuel Wolf for dedicating all the Shem and Drushos this month with immense gratitude for the refuels from Hashem and the merit of our Shem and for all of those in need and the schus of our brave soldiers and the return of our hostages. The Schwartzbaum family in memory of Rabbi Aaron Schwartzbaum, Aaron Yosef Ben Meir, Zechron Levracha, and the Ziv, Levine, and Berman families in memory of Bill Ziv, Zev Shmuel Ben Yisra. We dedicate all of Masechas, Bava Kama, Li'iloi Nishmas, Master Sergeant Elio Michal Kharush, Hashem Yikom Dama. We dedicate our learning, Li'iloi Nishmas, the soldiers who have fallen in battle, uh, Major Ayal Shuminov, Sergeant Neria Baliti, and Staff Sergeant Ido Eli Zrian. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, all of the Nishamus will have an Aliyah and the families in Nechama. And we thank our Dafyomi, our Dafyomi pastry sponsor for today, beautiful Eric Schaefer. Can I remember Eric Schaefer? He's still living in town, Baruch Hashem, from, from Texas, right? From Texas now. So Eric Schaefer, in honor of his mother, Rus Bas Avram, who imbues her children with, and grandchildren with Yira Shamayim, Avas Hashem, and teaches them Gemilos, Chasodim, and Lashon Hatov. Lashon Hatov. I got nervous when I read that last part. I read it too quickly. I read it too, I thought it was like, Lashon I was like, no, Lashon, Lashon Hatov. Lashon Hatov. Baruch Hashem. All right, it's incredible. Amir Tashem, Rosbat Avram, should be gebenched with many more years of bracha, mazel, simcha, meyeve, esim, shanim, tovos. But with that, let us begin. We have a lot to do today, but the good news is tomorrow's death is shorter. So we're going to, we're going to, we're going to equal out. We're going to equal out. Why, why? And then the next day is a monstrosity. And then, all right, whatever. Well, we'll, Emirat Hashem, one way or another, we always finish the Masechta. One way or another. All right, Moses, so today's daf is Kuf Tezvav 115. We are picking up at the Mishnah on the bottom of Kuf Yud Dalud on the base 114b. Mishnah says as follows. Hamakir Kelov Usvarov Biyadacher. So we'll say a very interesting case here. At first, we'll call him Ruvain. Ruvain recognizes literally, again, his utensils or his books in the hands of another. So in other words, Ruvain sees his stuff in Shimon's hands. In Shimon's hands. So I will say, so now, so now and then, one more piece. And I will say, now accompanying this, there was a, there was a shame. There was a, a, not a rumor, but again, there was news in the community that Ruvain had experienced the theft. So there's two things happening over here. Number one, number one, people are talking about the fact that Ruvain had a burglary, right? That's number one. And number two, Ruvain sees his stuff in Shimon's possession. Now, both saying, now what's interesting about this is, Ruvain is not accusing Shimon of being the thief. That's not what's happening over here. But what is happening over here is, what we're assuming happened over here, is that someone stole property from Ruvain, and what? Sold it. Sold it. And Shimon 
unwittingly, unwittingly purchased stolen property. So we'll say, so now what do you do? This, this is a very interesting case because here, what you have is a victim, Ruvain, but then you also have Shimon who really didn't do anything wrong, right? Shimon just bought, Shimon bought stuff un- not knowing that it was stolen property. So what do you do in a such case like this? So I'll say, what happens in this case is, so Shimon, the purchaser, swears that he bought this property not knowing that it was stolen. He swears how much he bought it for, and Ruvain has to pay him back. Ruvain has to pay him back. We'll say, we're going to see, this is going to be something that is called Takonas Ashok. Takonas Ashok essentially says that we have to protect purchasers. When a person purchases property and he has no reason to know, you know, we'll say, you go ahead and you decide, <clears throat> you know, you want to buy one of those monstrosity flat screen televisions, right? For the purpose of watching Shiurim, right? Because what else am you going to do with it, right? And, I, and let's say, and, right, and it goes ahead and, I don't know, what, is, what do these things normally cost? $1,000. Right, $1,000? Yeah. Oh, everyone, monstrosity. How much is the monstrosity? How much? 2000 None of us, I don't know what the answer is. This is a trick question. I want to see, I want to see who really like rattles this up. Oh, it's $2,499, you know, that's not right. So let's say, yeah, right, and, and you find the guy who sells it to you for $250. So obviously, obviously, right, something's up, something's up. So we're not talking about that kind of case. We're talking about a situation where, again, Shimon bought the object, had no reason to think that it was a stolen object. So as such, there has to be some level of buyer protection that Chazal created as well. So interestingly <coughs> enough, in this case over here, what's going to happen is Shimon's going to swear, I went ahead and I bought this object for X amount of money. Ruvain <coughs> is going to pay... Ru- now, Ruvain is the owner of the object. So Ruvain, the owner of the object, is paying Shimon in order to get his object back. He's buying it back. He's essentially buying it back. Now, if not, if not what? If there wasn't a Shmua Shalgezel. In other words, if no one was talking about the fact that Reuben was a victim of a burglary, so lav kalimenu. So then ultimately, in that case, Reuben is not believed to make his claim. Shani Omer, machron la'achar velachon zehemenu. So I'll say, if, if there's no call that there was a burglary, that there was a robbery, so then Reuben is not believed to say that the object was stolen from me. Why? Because we just assume what happened over here. Reuben stole it. Reuben sold the sari. And what? He has seller's remorse. Yes, seller's remorse. So I'll say, so that's taloch in the Mishnah. So again, a very simple and straightforward halacha. Two criteria. Number one, number one, so Ruvain recognizes his property in the possession of someone else. He has made a claim of burglary, and people are talking about the fact that there was a robbery, that there was a burglary. So what's talacha? Shimon the purchaser swears, I bought the object for X amount of dollars. Ruvain pays him that amount, effectively buys back his property, and Shalom Yisra. Good, says the Gemara. I don't stand. Just because people are talking about the fact that there was a burglary, right? That there was a robbery, that Ruvain's property was stolen, why should that matter? Maybe Ruvain, in fact, sold the property. He had seller's remorse. And Ruvain is starting the call. In other words, we all know it does not take all that much. Right, to get people talking about something, right? All you need to do is float it a little bit. So maybe Ruvain, Ruvain sold it legitimately, had seller's remorse, and now he begins the rumor mill. He begins the rumor mill. So the Gemara says, What's the case? Rabbi Huda says the name of Rav. The case over here is where Ruvain had people staying in his house, and then again, 
in the middle of the night, he goes in and starts claiming stuff was stolen from me. So in this case, Rebbe will say this is more like circumstantial evidence, being that he had people in his home, so Lamai said there's grounds to believe it. Mar says, I don't understand, even more so, if Ruben wants to invent information, right, or wants to create an alternate reality, the fact that there are people staying in his house gives him the ability to do so. In other words, what the Gemara is just trying to figure out is, just, it's so easy for Ruben to begin this rumor and give him the ability to get back his stuff. Alright, so let's listen to this. So now, Rav Kahana goes ahead and highlights the name of Rav. Here's the case. The case is where somebody dug a tunnel into Ruvain's house, dug a tunnel into Ruvain's house, and people who were staying in Ruvain's house left Ruvain's house with bags of stuff over their shoulders. All right, so like, it's either Shabbos leftovers or, right, all his stuff. So I will say, so this, this, Silimar so says, pretty now, and Ruvain's claiming, Ruvain's claiming, I was robbed. I suppose say, so this is a pretty strong case. This is a pretty strong case. In other words, you have enough circumstantial evidence. The tunnel, the tunnel, they're walking out with the stuff on, on, their, on their shoulder. These are people who had access to Ruben's stuff because Ruben had invited them to stay at his home. So you put all of this together and you have a pretty strong circumstantial case that indeed Ruben was robbed. The Dilma, Kalim Havu, Saram Havu. So I'm saying, maybe they just stole utensils, but they didn't steal any books. No, no, both say part of the rumor, part of the claim was that they took, they took utensils and svarim. Maybe they only took small books or small utensils, and he's claiming large books for large utensils. He's Ruvain's making very specific claims. They took so and so and so and so items. I Maybe they stole old stuff and he's claiming new stuff. We're talking about a case over here where people recognize that these utensils are utensils that belong to, these utensils or these svarim belong to Ruvay. Okay, so we'll say, so that's, that's how we're setting this up. So we'll say, so let's pause you for just a second. So what's happening? What's happening? So a very simple case. Right, Ruvain goes ahead and sees his stuff in the hands of Shimon. Ruvain makes a claim, Ruvain makes a claim, that's my stuff. In addition to Ruvain's claim, there's also a call, right? There's also like a whole rumor going around, more than a rumor. There's discussion that Ruvain was robbed. Now with the Gemara adds in, there's also circumstantial evidence. There was tunneling into Ruvain's home. People who stayed there, right, left with stuff on their shoulders. So you put all of this together, Rabosei, and kind of the narrative we construct, we're not accusing Shimon of being a thief, but rather we're saying that Shimon must have bought, and pro- bought property from whoever stole it from Ruvain. Therefore, what does Allah give Ruvain the right to do? Allah gives Ruvain the right to buy back his property. That's what it is. As opposed to saying, listen, Ruben, sorry, you know, unless you could prove something, then, then there's nothing to do here. The halacha says there's enough circumstantial evidence over here 
to say the stuff that's in Shimon's possession is really Ruvain's. But again, Shimon, there's no, no one has a right to put Shimon at a disadvantage. So therefore, Ruvain, we give you the right to buy back your property. Shimon, swear, how much did you buy your property for? Ruvain, give him that amount. Ruvain gets that back his property. Shimon is made whole. And Shalom al-Yisrael. Really fascinating case. So Gemara says as follows. The Gemara says, uh, good. Did Rav really say this? Remember, again, I will say, Rav was the one who set up this case as the case, the circumstantial evidence. Somebody had tunneled into Ruvain's house. The people who were staying there left with uh, bags of stuff over their shoulders. Did Rav really say this? Rav said, now watch this. This is fascinating. Excuse me. We'll say, Bob Makhteras means like this. I'm good, I'm good, thank you. Bob Makhteras means like this. Bob Makhteras means somebody breaks into your home at night to steal stuff. Now, Bob Makhteras means any situation. It literally means someone who comes to steal covertly. Now, listen to this. Rav says that when someone comes to steal property covertly, the knuckle kalim, Vyatsa, so let's say he was successful. He was successful. He's right. So we'll say, so watch this. So no, Ruvain breaks into Shimon's house. Or let's say better. Shimon, Shimon, Shimon tunnels into, tunnels into Ruvain's house. Right? Comes under the cover of darkness, or right, secretively, and steals stuff from Shimon. What's that? And let's say again, Shimon, get, sorry, Shimon steals from Ruvain. Right? And now let's say what happens. Shimon gets out of there. He gets away with it. Right? He gets in, he gets out. What's that? Potter. <laughs> Listen to this. Shimon, the thief, is Potter. Now, we'll say, you know, why? Well done, right? Well done. Right? Why, why is he Potter? We'll say, this is wild. Why is he Potter? My timer, bidami kaninu. Because I will say, listen to this. Get ready. I will say, what is the halacha? If you find someone breaking into your house at night, right? Surreptitiously. What's the halacha? What's the halacha? You are allowed to kill them. You're allowed to kill them, right? We'll say, it's, in other words, we had the castle domain before, uh, before, right, before legal. In other words, somebody's coming into your house under the cover of darkness. You do not know what's happening there, right? You don't know what's going on. Furthermore, again, I both say, a thief knows, a thief knows that very often a homeowner is going to defend his home and his property by any means necessary. Watch this. Therefore, when you are habam machteres, when you are a thief who steals repetitiously, you are doing so with risk to your own life. And in fact, technically speaking, you're liable to death. In other words, since the homeowner is empowered to take your life, thief's life, in order to protect his homestead, it's almost as if the thief is liable to a death penalty. That was said. Now, therefore, this makes it a case of what? Kimle bidarabamine. It's fascinating. So in this moment now, the thief is liable to death because again, the homeowner has the right to kill him in order to go ahead and bring, obviously again, if the guy's you know, standing their hands up, you know, and you, you can't kill him, right? But right, but, but, but Lamaisa, in other words, if you do not know what's going on over here in the confusion or ambiguity of the moment, it's understood that the homeowner is going to protect his home, is going to protect his property by any means necessary. As such, the thief, so to speak, is liable to a death penalty. This makes it kimli bidrabamine. So it's a death penalty and financial liability simultaneously. So this is incredible, no? So therefore, technically speaking, if the thief makes it out alive, he's potter. He's potter. Now, oh, we'll see the halakha lamais on this, right? But he's potter. He's potter. The idea is that he is not chayyah for any financial liability. Why? Because he was subject to a death penalty. 
So what was that? So therefore, again, going back for just a second, Rav set this up as a whole case of tunneling. As a whole case of tunneling. That's Habbaba Machtaras. So, so why should the thief have any level of liability? So the Gemara says, Hanim yali dekhanin about Machtaras. Dinei kara master nafshi l'ktala. So I was like, that's true, that's true, when really the entire theft kind of took place through tunneling. Since he was ready to give his life for this, so therefore, Kimlin b'durabe minei, ultimately acquires the object. Aval hani, Remember again, this was different. In this case, over here, remember again, and the way Rav set it up, there was a tunnel. But remember, the thieves didn't get in there through the tunnel. How did they get in there? They were invited guests. They were invited guests. So this is not the same kind of case, right? Because remember again, they're not putting their life in mortal danger. The only time you're putting your life in mortal danger for the thief is when you're breaking in. But since they were invited in, this wouldn't be a case. Very interesting. Amarava. Srava says as follows. Both say last line. Kofi Dalamadez. Very interesting. Amarava. Losha Ella Balabais also Limkar Kalov. Furthermore, again, I will say, when does this halacha apply, like we see in the Mishnah? Only if Ruvain is the type of balabayas who normally sells his stuff. Balabayas who does not normally sell his stuff. Top of Kuf Tesvav 115a. Then the Gemara says, Lotzarech la dure alei. Kulehai. Rashi says over here, right, Lotzarech la dure alei kulehai. Rashi says, Dinema sefer ploni uploni. I will say, remember again, previously in the Gemara, we're speaking about the idea that in order for this whole mechanism to work, of Ruvain to be able to buy back his stuff, it has to be, it has to be that what? That we have very specific information about the stolen objects. So the Gemara is not qualifying this and says, this is only talking about a Balabas who normally sells his stuff. But if a Balabas doesn't normally sell his stuff, so therefore it would be uncommon for his property to be in the hands of someone else, you don't have to have this same level of specificity in order to be able to trigger the reclamation process. I the Gemara says the Dilma Vizabin, but maybe Ruvain needed money, so decided to go ahead and sell off his stuff. Amravashi Hareyatzaloshim Geneva Biyer. No, Ravashi says, no, 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 we take care of that. That's not a concern. Why? Because remember, as we set it up, there is already people are already talking about that a theft took place. So because we were talking about theft took place, we assume that Ruvain is not selling stuff off of his own volition, but rather again he was robbed. I let's go back to Rabbi. This is a fascinating case. Itmar. Watch this. So let's say, so let's say, Shimon stole an object from Ruvain. Shimon stole from Ruvain. And then I will say, what happens? And, and he went ahead and he sold it to Levi. Now remember again, Levi is an innocent party over here. So right, right now, as it stands, Levi is in possession of Ruvain's object that he obtained through the theft of Shimon. Okay. After Levi purchases, after, after Levi now owns it, so the whole, the whole theft becomes discovered. And people, now Ruve knows that it was Shimon who stole the object from him. So before we get into this, understand what's happening over here. If you're Ruve, let's say if you're Ruve, right? What's the Shaila? What's the Shaila? Who are you going after? Who are you going after? Are you going after Shimon the thief? Or are you going after <coughs> Levi the current owner, so to speak, in quotations, right? The current owner of the object. So Rab, so the Gemara says, Rab Mishmeida Amar Hadin Im Harishon. So Rav says, Rav says that ultimately again, Ruvain, Ruvain, who is ultimately again the owner, Ruvain, Ruvain's his claim is against the thief. 
is against Shimon. Look at Rashi. Hadilim Arishon Rashi says, Dino Shabal Abayus Utfiyasa Alaganafi, Veina Lokeach Baldino, Vimbalik Vosemeno Yitain Damim, Viafagav Shukar Aganov, Lormini Yaksir Lokeach Kilim Bechina, Viframin Aganath. So, Bosa, listen to this. So, this, because we know the thief, Ruvain's claim is against Shimon, the thief. In other words, what, what Rav is saying is like this is, Ruvain can't go to Levi and say, Levi, that's my object, give it back to me. Give it back to me. In other words, Rashi points out over here is if Ruvain does want to go to Levi to get his object back, he can do that. But what does he have to do? What does he have to do? He's got to pay. He's got to pay. But assuming he does not want to pay, what he does is he goes to Shimon the thief and he sues him for damages, for theft. But again, he has no recourse. Ruvain, Ruvain, the owner of that, has no recourse against Levi the buyer. His only recourse is against Shimon the thief. Rabbi Yochanan says, no, natural, natural. Ruvain has recourse against Levi. The purchaser Rashi says, Adinu Hasheni, Dino Shabalabais in Lokiahu, Viosi Menu Kalev Bechinam. So, no, so we'll say, so Rabbi Yochanan says, natural, Ruvain could go over to Levi the purchaser, say, Levi, that is my object, and I'm taking it, I'm taking it back, and he doesn't have to pay Levi anything, he takes it. Then I'll say, of course, what's the rest of that story? What's the rest of that story? So, Levi, the purchaser, will go to Shimon the thief. We'll say, such a fascinating case, no? So, let's analyze this. Am Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef says, the truth is, lo pligi, they're not really arguing. Sorry, one is talking about, I will say, before Ruven, Ruven, the original owner, had Yeyosh. If Ruven didn't yet have Yeyosh, hadin Masheni, then Rav Yosef, if Ruven didn't have Yeyosh, then what? Then he can go to Levi, the purchaser, and say, Levi, that's my object. I would never have Yeyosh. Therefore, the object never left my possession. Give it back to me. And Abba says, as opposed to if Reuven had Yeyosh, then Hadin Im Harishon. Then again, Abba says, assuming he had Yeyosh, he gave up hope of ever retrieving the object. The object, therefore, again, effectively transferred over to Levi. And therefore, Reuven's claim is only against the thief. Incredible. And Abba says, ultimately, both of them go ahead and hold over of Chista. Now, what did Rav Chista say? But say, take a look at Rashi, three lines down from the top in the wide lines. Rav Chista, Rav Chista said as follows. If you stole an object, right, Shimon stole from Ruvain, and Ruvain did not have Yehosh, and someone else came along and consumed the object, we just had this not so long ago. So what Rav Chista says, essentially, the owner of the object could collect damages from either party, right? Either from the thief or from the person who consumed the object. Okay. So I'm Abai, So Abai says, really? They don't, they're not, no one's arguing. So the Gemara says, Ha, Matnos Kuna, Kilifne Yeosh, Dami Upligi. Let's take a look at the case of Matnos Kuna, right? Matnos Kuna is like a case of before Yeosh, and yet there is a Machogus. What's the case of Matnos Kuna? Listen to this interesting case. This is not. Amrlo, so let's watch this. Right, Ruvain, right? Ruvain goes over to Shimon, and Shimon's a butcher, and he says to Shimon, sell me the kishkas of the cow. Sell me the innards of the cow. matnos, mataros. And I will say now, included in those kishkas, remember again, a coin, a coin, there are matnos kuna from every time you shecht an animal, right? There's the chest and the foreleg, right? The, right? Ultimately, go to, the, go to the coin. Parts of the stomach as well. The more, right? so, we'll say, so now let's say I go ahead, I go ahead and go to the butcher and I purchase, I purchase kishkas from the, uh, from the innards, from the animal. And inside of those kishkas, inside are matnos kuna, right? In other words, 
the butcher never separated out the Kohanic portion. They know, so what's Talacha? So no sense. No So I, the purchaser, am obligated to give those portions to the Kohen. Now, this is very interesting. I will say, I can't go ahead and subtract off the purchase price. In other words, I have to separate out the Kohanic gifts, but I'm not permitted to go ahead and take that off the purchase price that I'm giving to the butcher. Okay. Conversely, Let's say I bought the kishkas in weight. So I bought, I don't know, 20 pounds, 20 pounds of kishka. Right? Kishkas, right? In a cow innards. And I will say, so now, same case, I have to remove some of it to give to Kohanim. In that case, In that case, I go ahead and, in that case, I give the stomach or whatever else to the coin. And I am permitted to go ahead and take that off the purchase price. So both say it's interesting, which makes sense. In the first case, I'm just buying, I'm buying an amount, lavdafka a weight. So therefore, again, it's understood that I have to separate out part of matnoskuna, and therefore I can't take that off the purchase price. When you're buying by weight, again, that weight includes the part that's going to be mine. But anything that's going to be skuna comes off the purchase price. Rav said, we'll say first wide line, Rav, lo shanu so we'll say, when is this true? When is this true? When is what true? In other words, that when you buy by weight, when you buy by weight, you could subtract off the amount that is the matnos kuhuna from the purchase price. Rashi says over here, Rashi says, Lo shanu, lakach himena b'mishkol, nostan l'koin, demasha d'lokiach al karchach nostan l'koin, v'yitva damim ala minamokher. So we'll say, so when do we say that I, the purchaser, have to give to the coin? And then settle up, settle up a diminished price with the butcher. That's only if I went ahead and weighed it myself. But ultimately, if the butcher went ahead and weighed the, the insides of the cow, then then ultimately the coin has to settle up together with the butcher. Look at Rashi. Hadinim tabach. Dino shal coin uro ala tabachu. Then the coin has to settle up with the butcher himself. So we'll say, so this is very interesting. Because what's happening over here is in this kind of case, this would almost be like a situation of someone who stole, this would be like the case of Shimon who stole from Ruvain and sold to Levi. So when the butcher goes ahead and sells me cow insides and didn't remove the matnos kuhuna, and the butcher weighed it himself, weighed, weighed it himself and sold it to me. So this is like the butcher stealing from the coin, selling it to another party, in which case the coin, who is the affected party, has to go ahead and settle up with the Rishon, settle up with the Tabach, to which the Gemara says, No, rather read it as, the coin could even, sorry, the coin could even go after the butcher, not just me. So, what would you have said? Perhaps Kohanic gifts can't be stolen, and they're considered as if they're always in the possession of the coin. that they can. According to Abayu, says that they argue, what are they arguing about? To argue about the statement of Rav Chista. Okay, so if I will say, we are still left with our original Machlokas, right? Shimon steals from Ruvain, sells it to Levi, after the sale to Levi, 
Shimon's identity as a thief becomes recognized. Now, who does Reuven go after for his object? So Rabbi Yochanan says, sorry, Rav says, Rav says, Reuven's claim is only against the thief. Reuven has no claim against Levi. And if he wants to get his object back from Levi, he's going to have to pay him, but he can't seize it back from Levi. Rabbi Yochanan says, absolutely not. Reuven could even go right to Levi, seize his object, and no obligation of compensation. Okay, so let's analyze. Rav Zavid, Amr Kigon, This is very interesting. Rav Zavid said, what's the case over here? The case is where Reuven, the owner, had Yeosh, but only once the object reached the hands of the purchaser, of Levi, and didn't have Yeosh when it was in the hands of the Ganov. Interesting. Here's what they're arguing about. Remember we had this before? Yeosh by itself doesn't work, right? In order for someone else to acquire a stolen object, there's really two things that have to occur. Remember again, what are the two things? Number one, a change of domain and Yeosh. What we're going to see now is, does the order of those two things matter? So watch this. The Gemara says, One opinion says that if Yeosh occurs first and then Shinoi Rishos, it works. The Gemara says, however, Shinoi Rishos Yeosh But if the change of domain occurred before Yeosh, that doesn't work. In other words, that it's order specific. It's order specific. It's Yeosh first and then Shinoi Rishos. Umar so the other opinion says Loshana. No, no, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what order it occurs, as long as you have both Yeosh and Shinir Rishos. So then ultimately the new purchaser or the new acquirer truly owns the object. Okay, Rav Safra Amra Biglima, Dikuli Amalopligi, Dardalamare. So what's here? Papa says, if we're talking about a case of like a cloak, in other words, that the stolen object is extant, everyone agrees that Levi, the purchaser, is going to give that back to Ruvain, the original owner. So here, what's the machlokes? The machlokes is, in this case, you're going to say, same case, Shimon stole from Ruvain, sold it to Levi. Afterwards, again, we discover the identity of the thief. It's Shimon. Now, who does Ruvain go after? So what's say? So the machlokes over here is, do we, in the case like this, do we institute takonas hashok? For the benefit of Levi. I will say, what's Takanas Ashok? This goes back to our Mishnah. Look at Rashi. Look at Rashi. Rashi says, Takanas Ashok, Al Shekino, Lokeach, Bishok, Befarhasya, Follow Haven, Bo Sheganov, Shegan, Shenignov, Oslo, Takanashi, Shaylo, Bala, Baismosa. So I'll say, Takanas Ashok essentially is what we would call buyer protection. In a case where a person purchases something in the marketplace, or in a way that has the appearance of an absolutely normal and legitimate transaction. But it turns out that the object is stolen. So, and this is a Mishnah. So, Takanas Ashuk says, says, if you as a purchaser had no reason to assume that there was anything wrong with this transaction, halacha protects you. And what's, what's, the, what's, the, what's the buyer protection? What's, what's buyer protection? Buyer protection is, even if though it turns out you bought stolen property, the owner of the object has an absolute right to come to you and take his object. But, but, but what? He has to pay. I will say, that's Takan Asashok. That's Takan Asashok. That's Halachic buyer protection. So I will say, now watch this. The question is, in this case, I'm talking about over here, is there buyer protection? Rav Mishwev Rabbi Chia Amar. So watch this. Rav Nimr Rabbi Chia said, Hadinim Arishon, that Ruvain, right? Ruvain, the original owner of the object, could only collect from. 
Shimon the thief. Why? So Dina Dilokeach Delishko Zuzimiganov. Dina, I'm sorry. Dina Dilokeach Delishko Zuzimiganov. Follow us about Takanasa Shok, who says ultimately again the halacha should be that Lokeach should go ahead and go ahead and capture his loss from the Ganov, and therefore they didn't institute Takanasa Shok. Rabbi Yochanan said, no, the halacha is that his din is with Levi. Okay. That's the machlokas. I, the sovereign Rav, does Rav say that we don't institute over here Takanas Ashok? Yet Rav Huna, listen to this case, Rav Huna was the Talmud of Rav, Vechanan Bisha Ganav Glima, Vizabna. This guy, Chanan Bisha. Hanan the bad one. That's his name. Right? That, or at least that's, that was, and that, his mother didn't give him the name. But I'm saying that, <laughs> right? That was, that was his ascribed, his ascribed name. Right? So Hanan Bisha, Ganav Glima, stole a cloak, Vizabna, and he sold it. He sold it. Now what happened? But Aslakumid Rafuna. So now what happened? So now obviously in this case we'll say you have so same case, right? Hanan stole it from Ruvain and sold it to Levi. So now at this point we recognize that Hanan went ahead and stole it and sold it. So now who does Ruvain go after? Does Ruvain go after Hanan or does Ruvain go after Levi the purchaser? Rafuna. So Ravuna said to the purchaser, so Ravuna said to the guy, to the owner, look at Rashi, Zil Shari Avitach, Hatar Mashkon Chakulomar, Pedei Mashkon Chashabiado. So I'll say, so interestingly enough, interestingly enough, so, <clears throat> so Rav, um, um, Ravuna, Ravuna said to the, to the owner of the object, go to Levi and buy back your item. Buy back your item. In other words, you can get it back from Levi, but you have to buy it back. I so the Gemara says one second. Shiny Chanan Bisha Kevan. So I'll say, say again. This is a case of Hukar Aganov, right? This is a case of where we know who the thief is, and yet you see clearly that Rav Huna is saying, "Sorry, uh, right owner of the object, go ahead." And your claim is really against the thief. If you want to go ahead and you want to get it back from the third party, then go ahead and get it, but you have to pay. So the Gemara says, "Shiny Chanan Bisha." Hanan Bisha is different. Why? Because apparently Hanan Bisha wasn't only known to be a thief, but he was also a relatively powerful guy. And there was absolutely no hope of getting any level of compensation from him. So here's what's interesting. In general, in general, even in the case of where, let's say we say that owner has the right to go to buyer, right? That Ruben has the right to go to Levi, get his object back without paying Levi. The assumption is what's going to happen next. Levi is going to be able to go to the thief and reclaim his money from the thief. In this, in this case over here, there is no getting any money back from Hanan Bisha. So as such, Rafuna thought it was inappropriate to leave the buyer in the lurch like this. So therefore, he said to the, he said to the owner, you go to Levi, get back your item, but you have to pay for it. You have to pay for it. Now watch this. So I just want to point out what we have. Let's just pause here for just a moment. So here's what we have happening. What we have happening is the Mishnah introduced to us this concept that if I have property that's stolen from me and then I see that property in the hands of someone else, the halacha is I can go and I can reclaim that property. But again, now in the Mishnah's case, what has to happen? The purchaser, right? Purchaser, uh, let's just use the case, right? So Shimon stole from Ruvain. 
right? Sold to Levi, right? So now Reuven could go to Levi, Reuven could go to Levi and get his stuff back. But what does Levi do? According to the Mishnah, Levi makes a shvua, swears I paid, you know, $1,000 for this, and I pay him, and I pay him. Now, what is that based on? That is based on Takhana Sashok. That is based on Chazal's legislative <coughs> buyer protection. Now, when someone buys something in a legitimate transaction, and it turns out that it was stolen, there's buyer protection. So as the owner of the object, I have the right to get back my property. But because the purchaser bought it in a legitimate, protection, a legitimate transaction, he's protected, and I essentially have to pay to get back my stuff, as unfair as that seems. Now, the, the interesting kind of corollary case is, same case, Shimon steals from Ruvain, right? Sells it to Levi, but in this case, the identity of the thief becomes known. Becomes known. So I will say, so now, then we have a machlokas, who are we going after in that case, right? So now, so now you have Ruvain, the owner. Who is Ruvain, the owner, going after in that case, right? Is he going, is Ruvain going after the thief, or is Ruvain going after, or is Ruvain going after the purchaser? So that's our machlokas. That's our machlokas, and I will say, what we see over here is, Takhana Sashuk is kind of this overarching principle. Now watch this, a very important qualification. So this is incredible. Now, buyer protection only applies when? When the buyer has every reason to assume, right? Buyer has every reason to assume that this is a legitimate transaction. But if the buyer purchases from a known thief, then I will say, there's no buyer protection in that case. So for example, if it was known that Shimon was a thief, right? Shimon stole from Ruben, sold it to Levi, right? And Levi, Levi bought it from him, right? And I will say again, it's known that Shimon is a thief, right? He's got a whole boutique out of his trunk, right? So again, this doesn't look on the, on the up and up over here. And it's clear he's known as a thief, there's no buyer protection in that case. In that case, I will say that Ruvain has the ability to go to Levi and get back his stuff. Why? Again, the logic is very simple. Chazal only protected you when you when when it was clear that when it was felt that you were engaging in a legitimate transaction. Now, both and I watched this more. So, but here's the problem. What about the case we just mentioned? We just had this case, right? The guy who bought property from Hanan Bisha, right? Hanan, the bad guy. And yet again, they instituted, they instituted, they instituted Tachanan Sashok for him. So the Gemara says, Vasbot Tachanan Sashok, Nehi, the Gemara says, incredible. Nehi de Meforsum le Bishusa, Lignevusa lo Meforsum. Let's say, watch this. He had a reputation for being a bad guy, but he didn't have a reputation for theft. In other words, we speak about this all the time. Even Hanan Bishop will say, again, you do not get that nickname, right? You, and we'll say, I just want to point out, Hanan Bisha, right, he is memorialized for all eternity in Shas by this name, which means, I'll say, which means that he never did Shuvah, which because well, if he did Shuvah, then we wouldn't record him in this way. But Lamais, I shouldn't say we didn't have who knows? Who knows what he did or what he didn't do? But the fact that Chazal went ahead and codified him like this is pretty dramatic. But I must say, what you see is like this. All of us live with our inconsistencies. We have this all the time. And just because at the end of the day, I am a sinner in one area does not make me a Russia in all areas. We all have our areas of inconsistency. We all have our areas of weaknesses. And I will say, but it's very important to know the beauty of Yiddish and the beauty of spirituality in general is that it's not an all-or-nothing proposition. 
just because I am a spiritual failure in certain areas does not mean that I'm a failure in all areas. And just because I'm a failure in certain areas doesn't mean that I can't be successful in others. Isn't this incredible? This guy, Hanan Bisha, whatever he did that got him this nickname, but he wasn't a known thief. He wasn't a known thief. He wasn't a known thief. At the end of the day, again, he wasn't a thief. So therefore, again, it could very well be that would even apply to a transaction with him. Such an incredible house. We'll say, sometimes we get so down on ourselves because we know that there's an area in which I'm so weak, in which I'm so broken, and we think that because I'm so weak and so broken in this one area, there's no hope for me in other areas. But that's not true. If Hanan Bisha could do it, then I'm going to say, certainly I could do it as well. Dramatic. Itmar, let's go. We're making great time over here. Itmar, Ganov Upara, Chovov. I'd like to announce the, the, the new formation of an Ahmed Yomi Shir. We're starting with Baba Kama. Now, what are we going to do? It's Mar. Karnavu Para Bechova. I will say it's too good. It's just too good to. We're already going so fast as it is. It's just too good to go any faster. We'll make it through. It's Mar. Karnavu Para Bechova. So we'll say now, watch this. Karnavu Para Bechova. La Asuba Takana Sashok. So this is actually a very interesting case as well. So the Gemara says here's the situation. A person went ahead and stole and paid off his debt, right? Or stole and pay off, paid off a collateral. So we'll say, in this case, Chazal didn't institute a Tachanasashok. So let me just show you what happened over here, right? So same case, Shimon stole from Ruvain, but in this case, again, still Shimon gave it to Levi. But why did Shimon give it to Levi? Why did he give it to Levi? Because he owed Levi money, right? Or he had a deposit, he had something collateralized with, with Levi. So he's using the stolen money to pay off a debt. So in this case, we'll say in this case, now, same case, turns out, again, Shimon becomes recognized as the thief. Ruvain recognizes now that Levi has his stuff. What's the halacha? Ruvain could go right to Levi and take his stuff without payment. There's no takhanas shuk in this case. Why is there no takhanas shuk in this case? We'll say it's very simple. Because we'll say, in this case over here, Levi didn't lend Shimon the money on, with, with the understanding that he was going to be furnished with Ruvain's option. In other words, I will say, Takana Sashuk is only applied when there is a clear transactional reliance. But when there wasn't a transactional reliance, then we don't apply Takana Sashuk. In other words, remember, before Shimon ever stole an object from Ruvain, what did he do? What did he do? Levi lent him money, which means Levi lent him money reliant on something totally different. So because of that, when Shimon then pays back the debt with Ruvain's property, we don't apply Takhanas Hashuk in that case. But again, Halach Lamaisa, Ruvain is able to go right to Levi and reclaim his object. It's very interesting. Take a look at Rashi. Lava Daite, Rashi says, This is fascinating. In other words, the, the, loan, the loan that Levi made to Shimon happened long before Shimon ever stole anything from Ruvain. As such, there was no reliance on the object that or on the money or whatever it was that Shimon subsequently stole from Ruvain and gave to Levi. Because of that, Chazal did not afford buyer protection in this kind of case. So interesting. Shigimara goes weiter. Da'ano yovazigur. Mashkanta shavimasan b'meya. 
also what the Kronos are shogg. So I will say, let's say, sorry, Mashkavi Shava Masan Kimea. Let's say, we'll say, look at this case, look at Rashi. Mashkanta Shav, ah, no, not yet. So Mashkanta Shavi Masan Kimea, let's say again, there was a collateral that was worth 200. And he gave him this object worth 100. In that case, they institute Tekhanas Hashok. Shava What about for an equal, an equal amount? In other words, that the amount given was equal to the amount of the collateral. So that's Hashok. said, in this case, they do not talk to Tekhanas Hashok. Rashi says, because that's an uncommon case. Marzuch said, no, they did Tekhanas Hashok. Zvina Shava Beshava. What happens if it was a sale? Right? It was a sale for equal amounts. Then Then they made the in that case. What happens if it was worth 100 for 200. The bottom line the Gemara says is. Takana Sashuk applies in any case, in any case where the buyer bought, assuming that this was a legitimate transaction, and then it turns out to be stolen property. The only exception where Takana Sashuk doesn't apply is again about saying the case of a loan. Of a loan, where again Shimon had borrowed money from Ruvain beforehand, and sorry, from Levi, and then stolen objects from Ruvain, used the stolen object to go out and repay Levi. In that case, Takhanas Hashuk doesn't apply, and the logic is sound. The logic is because the loan transaction had nothing to do with the property that Shimon subsequently stole from Ruvain. Because again, the loan was made way before the theft ever occurred. Therefore, there's no buyer protection in such a case like that. But in any other case, I will say, where there is a legitimate, a legitimate transaction, we do apply the buyer protection of Takhanas Hashok. Quite fascinating. I will say, now the one case, the one case that we don't yet have the Halacha Lema for is again the Machlokis Rav and Rav Yochan. We're, we're still going to come back to that case. We're going to, we'll see the Rav in the next sugi with this. I will say, that's the case of where Hukar Aganov, Right, Shimon steals from Ruvain, sells it to Levi. We now discover who Ruv- we now discover who Shimon is. Who does Ruvain go after? Who does Ruvain go after? Does Ru- now, now Bipashtos, Bipashtos, it kind of becomes clear. Why does it become clear? Who does Ruvain go after in that case? Who does he go after? He really has to go after the thief. Because I remember again, once you have Takanas Ashok, once you have buyer protection, buyer protection says that Levi, as long as Levi was a legitimate, it was leg- what appeared to be a legitimate transaction. Levi's covered. Levi's covered. If Levi's covered, that means if Ruben wants to go to Levi, he can. But what does he have to do? He has to pay. So it sounds like, it sounds like in that machlokis, it really sounds like we're passing like Rav, that in this kind of case where there was a legitimate transaction, Levi's protected by Takana Sashok, and Ruben's only recourse is really against the thief himself. All right, let's go weiter. Says the Gemara, Avimi Bar Nazi, Chamod Ravina Hava. So we'll say, so Avimi Bar Nazi was the father-in-law of Ravina. Hava Masik Gavra Abra Azuzi. He lent the guy for Zuz. So what happened? Ganav Glima, Asinehele. So what happened? So apparently the borrower, the borrower went ahead and stole a cloak. All right, un- unbeknownst to Avimi, unbeknownst to Avimi, he stole a cloak. And they buy, it sounds like that cloak was like repayment for the first four zuz. And therefore, again, Avimi lent him another four zuz. 
At the end of the day, it turned out that it became clear that the borrower was really a thief. So they brought this case before Ravina. So listen to this. So, so, so essentially, Avini said like this. We look at the first, we look at the first, Kamoi, Ganav Upara Bechabal. We'll say this sounds like a case of a thief who st- paid off his debt, who paid off his debt with stolen property. Velo Baila Mesavle, Velo Midi, Hanach Arba Zuzi Achrini, Shakal Zuzach Bahadur Glini. I'll say, but the second set of Zuzim, right, return the money, right, take your money, and ultimately give back the cloak. Maske for Rav Coin, Vidilma, Glima Bahani Zuzi Kamai Avenili, Ay, but maybe, maybe the cloak. Ultimately, again, it was given by the first set of Zuzim. So, this should be a case of a, of a thief who stole, paid off his debt, or a thief who stole and paid off his collateral. In which case, again, doesn't apply. And maybe for the second set of Zuzim, ultimately, the cloak has nothing to do with anything. But maybe the cloak was, or he just gave him the Zuz because he felt he was a credible individual. So the matter escalated. He came over Rabbi Abo. Amar Hilchasakrav Koin. He passed in the halachas like what Rav Koin said before. Narsha Ganav Safra Zvine Lepapunai Betimnin Zuzi. All right. So let's say another case. Excuse me. This Narsha. These are these are these are nationalities. This guy. This Narsha guy. This Narsha guy. He stole a safer and he sold it to a Papunai. For eighty zuz, betam den zuzi. Azul papanoi zabni lebar mechuz. And b'mei ev esrim, the papanoi took it. He resold it for one hundred and twenty. Okay. L'sof hoker aganav. At the end, right? They they found out who the thief was. Amra bayi lezel mari the safra. So we'll say. So now, who do you go after? What do you go after for? Let the owner of the safer go. V'yarev lebar mechuz atamnin. Let him give it to the guy who right for the mechuzah. Give him eighty zuz. V'shakal safra. Let him get back his safer. V'azal bar mechuzah. V'shakal arban papanoi. Let the mechuzah guy go and collect another forty from the papanoi. Maskef arava. Hashal lokech miganav azal takanas ashok lokech mi lokech mi boy. I don't say about safe. There's buyer protection for someone who buys from a thief. Allah has come of a kama. There should be buyer protection for who? For a guy for for the purchaser from the purchaser. Allah amar rava rather watch that in this case. Lazel mare the safra. Let the owner of the safer come along. Let him give to the guy who bought from the Mechuzin, right, 120 Zuz. Let him take back his book. In other words, he has to pay full price to go at the final purchase price to get back his safer. And let the guy who bought it for 120, he'll collect 40 from the Papunoi and 80 from the Narashon. Okay, both say, takeaway. What's the takeaway? What's the takeaway? Number one takeaway is we move very slowly. Number two takeaway, I will say. Number two takeaway is that halach lamaisa, I will say, there is something called takana sashok. Takana sashok is buyer protection. Buyer protection means that if it turns out you stole stolen property, you, you bought, sorry, you bought stolen property, but you had every reason to believe that it was a legitimate transaction, halacha lamaisa, you are covered. And if the owner of the object wants to get that back from you, then what does he do? He pays you the amount that you paid. Now, I want to point out, let's say you say, but I don't want to sell it. I don't want to give it back. So that you don't have the right to do. Once it's been determined that it's stolen property, you must give it back, but you are entitled to be made whole for the full purchase price. That is Takana Sashavin. If, however, we'll say, when doesn't Takana Sashavin apply? If you buy from a known thief. 
then which makes sense. Allah doesn't go ahead and cover you. If it turns out to both say that we identify who the thief is, who does the buy, who does the owner have recourse against? Because Hashem really only has recourse against the thief, doesn't have recourse against the buyer. Incredible. Mishnah. Zebab Khalishram, Zebab Khalishadvash. Both we actually made reference to this case last week. Watch this. Ruvain is carrying a barrel of wine. Shimon is carrying a barrel of honey. What happens? Nistika Khavishadvash. Now we'll say, now this case presupposes that honey is more valuable than wine in this particular case. So what happens? So now we'll say, I don't, I don't remember who I said what, but okay, the barrel, the owner of the barrel of the honey, Nistika Khavishadvash, Vishofech Zes, you know, Hitzlasadvash Lasoho. So watch this, we'll say. So honey guy, wine guy. Honey guy, his barrel cracks. What did wine guy do? Wine guy dumps out the contents of his barrel in order to save his friend's honey. Okay, so we'll say, now what's that? Amadeis, Ain lo ela scharo. Shabbat says, so now remember again, wine guy, after this whole thing happens, wine guy, feeling like the hero, says, you know what, what is he expecting from honey guy? What is he expecting from honey guy? Full compensation for his lost wine. So honey guy says, I, n- I didn't ask you to do any of this. So Shabbat says, the halacha is with the honey guy, and honey guy is only obligated to go ahead and give wine guy what? Scharo. Shabbat says, scharo means labor. Labor, literally again, the use, which means essentially barrel rental and, and work. Barrel rental and work. Okay. However, if wine guy said to honey guy, listen, honey guy, honey guy, here's what I'm willing to do. I'm willing to dump out my wine, save your honey, but you need to pay me for my wine and for any other incurred services. And honey guy says, yes, then ultimately, again, which makes sense. Honey guy is obligated to go ahead and compensate wine guy for the value of his wine. Shut off, similar case. Shut off nachal chamoro, the chamar chavero. Shalo yafemona veshal chavero masayim. So we'll say, now watch this. You have two donkey guys, two donkey guys, right? One guy has a donkey that's worth $1,000 and another donkey, another guy has a donkey that's worth $2,000. You know, he got the full, full trim, full trim on the donkey package, right? He's got heated seats, right? He's got everything, right? So the mice, so the mice, so now what happens? Now they're both in the river, both in the river. So what happens? Expensive donkey guys, donkey. Expensive donkey is about to get swept away for the current. So cheap donkey. So cheap donkey guy says to expensive donkey guy, here's the deal, right? He said he doesn't say anything. So what does he do? He says that says shalom to his cheap donkey. Let's get swept down. So in order to save expensive donkey, he then goes over to the owner of expensive donkey guy, Ainlo Alaskaro, expecting payment. Expensive donkey says, thank you so much. Here's, you know, here's the, whatever, you worked for two hours. Here's the money for your labor. That's it. However, if cheap donkey guy says to expensive donkey guy, here's the deal. I'm willing to let go of my cheap donkey in order to go ahead and save your, you know, your Lexus Cadillac donkey, right? Then fine. And he agrees. And he says, yes, then ultimately again, that expensive donkey guy is obligated to go out and compensate cheap donkey guy for the value of cheap donkey. And Gerdo says the Gemara, says the Gemara, Va'amai. but why is this? Rosa, this is great. This is so fantastic. We'll have to stop with this. But this is fantastic. Listen to this. Listen to this. Rosa, let's go back to case one because it's, it's much easier to say wine and honey versus cheap and expensive donkey. Now, listen to this. So when, when the barrel of, of, of honey breaks open, so let's say, so essentially in that case, the honey is lost. The honey is effectively hefker. 
is Hefker. So why don't we say that when the wine guy dumps out his wine and begins to go ahead and collect the honey, he's essentially collecting honey from Hefker, and it really should be his. Did we not learn? So listen to this. If a person was going ahead and carrying barrels of wine or barrels of oil, and he saw that they were beginning to break, so this is a great chap. This is a great chap. Right? I'm carrying my, my oil and my wine. And what happens? I see that they're about to break. That they're about to break. So what happens? I should not say, I should not say that, you know what? They're trumas and maestros on stuff that I have in my house. Because we'll say, by designating them as trumas and maestros, then what's the halacha? If they're lost, they're lost. It's not my problem. It's the coin or levy's problem. That's a great trap. So you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. So the Gemara says, And by the way, if you did say it, it doesn't work. Why doesn't it work, Rebbe was saying? Because the, the assumption is, since these barrels are about to break, that is considered to be like the produce inside the wine or the oil is lost, which means that it's what is hefker. It's hefker. So therefore, it's not a valid designation because hefker. So what do you see from here? You see from here that stuff that comes from broken barrels is considered to be ownerless. If that's the case, then halacha lamaisa, when, when honey is, when the honey guy, right, when his barrel is breaking and wine guy comes to scoop it up, Ultimately, one guy should acquire it because it's hefker. Okay. What's the case? The case is where, again, the barrel had some type of netting around it. Some type of netting around it. So the netting, essentially, even when the barrel was beginning to split, the netting would keep it together for a time. For a time enough time to be able to collect it in some other receptacle, and therefore it's not considered to be Hefker Abosai. We'll stop over here for today. We'll pick up the answer with this tomorrow. Great Gemara. Great Gemara. Shkoyach, everyone.